So, first we need lots of autonomy, uh, patient endurance. This is what we, what, we, what we really need, what we're trying to develop, is this fanya, this wisdom, to see through and eliminate dukkha. But at first, our, our, our fanya isn't, isn't strong enough, often. So, based on the sila, our practice and, and cultivation of, of virtue, we're able to, kukku um, means to kind of contain, keep a lid on our arom, our aramana, our moods and thoughts, emotions, like, dislike, desire, aversion, attachment, etc. And so in the midst of all of these things, you have to cultivate an ability to have what we call in Thai, otkondo arom, which means patient endurance in the face of your various mood swings. Because at first you don't have that powerful um, samadhi. So, cultivate this sati in order to, to see at first, just to be able to actually observe your moods at first. When you, when you experience liking, be able to actually observe and contemplate it. How does this feel? When, when things arise, whatever arises, contemplate that these phenomena are not permanent. They arise based on causes and conditions. And this, if viewed with Upadana, gives rise to cleaning or attachment, gives rise to the whole realm of emotion. So, before we can really fully understand these five khandas, we actually need a certain ability to, or to, to endure patiently with regard then. So if you can do that, and the mind in view with sila will feel you know what that means? Low means empty and spacious, a kind of lightness or ease in the heart. You feel light, and this inclines towards this sense of Dwai Wan, letting go. So contemplate this to see how this is what leads to my attachment. And so this is what's called wisdom, wisdom informing or wisdom training the mind in order to give rise to samadhi in Thaisi, so, Mubo Cha taught us to um, find the way to eliminate and abandon upadana, which means attachment, the kind of clinging and craving, ultimately culminating in the full, total letting go of Blaiwan. So, for example, we have anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing. Do your best to make the mind firm with your object, and based on that, to abandon and craving, and do it again, and again, and again. So at first you need this upholding of patient endurance because the mind doesn't easily incline towards samadhi. But train using your wisdom. If you experience unpleasant sensations, aversion arises, observe that. How does that feel, that dukkha? See it very clearly. When the pleasant experiences arise, and the sukha, the happiness, which leads to attachment arise. How does that feel? Learn to observe that and understand it. So this is a preliminary area to cultivate mindfulness in. So now with, with regard to, to this Dhamma practice, at the beginning it's very important not to be thinking too much and being too worried and concerned and anxious about the practice. You think, if I'm going to practice, 
how should I practice? Having practiced in this way, how should I go on to practice? Will this practice lead to Mother Kala Nibbana? If it does, how long will it take? All of these kind of thoughts are to be abandoned, just put them down, because the whole thing is dependent on whatever causes and conditions we're putting into place in the present moment. If those causes and conditions are correct, then the results will surely come. So you don't, so you don't have to think too much about the whole process. Just practice evenly. Wake up early every day. Make sure you're at morning chanting. Cultivate sati. And then when your mind and your heart, your thoughts run out, thoughts of the future, thoughts of the past, this and that, gently bring it back. Keep doing that. Your thoughts run out, you bring it back with mindfulness. Your thoughts run out again, you bring it back with mindfulness until you're skilled in this process. These kind of doubts and questions and concerns, they're the things which, which make the mind very agitated, rewind, very confused, stirred up, not peaceful. Is this the right path? Having practiced for a while, what's next? Etc., etc. When will I reach Mother Palinibana? All of this has to be put down, but with wisdom. Then when the mind really is peaceful, having put these down, then you'll see, oh, yes, of course, don't think so much. Allow the mind to be peaceful, and then you'll begin to see clearly. The body is composed of elements. A body composed of elements is not intrinsically beautiful. It arises and passes away. To develop sati, contemplate a lot, and seeing clearly, doubts will be abandoned. <coughs> this, uh, this, uh, this hindrance of of uh, doubts. These are these really um, play and disturb the mind, agitate the mind a lot at first. The mind is very confused and bound up with, with all of these doubts and it's a very significant cause for samadhi not to arise. So you actually have to contemplate doubts and the nature of the doubts in mind very clearly. Just look into it very directly, see that doubts are uncertain, that doubts are not permanent, that they come and they go arising based on causes and conditions. And then breathe in and out, deeply. Make the mind peaceful. It's just like a cloudy, dirty water in a glass. You just put it down, just, just put it down, and just allow all that cloud and dust and dirt to just settle. The water becomes naturally clear on its own, and you'll get a glimpse of Magapalavana. So these nivaranas, these hindrances, doubts, plus the others as well, sense of desire, negativity, restlessness, and drowsiness and dullness. Just if you want to keep this practice simple, then just do whatever you can to allow the mind to become a little bit peaceful, and then you'll see to yourself, yes, this peace of mind really does exist. And if it if it does exist, then develop it more and more. Make it make it more so. Keep up this practice of sati until you reach the point where doubts about the process end. It's often the case that at first people don't have much problems with raga, lust, sensual, sexual desire. 
maybe people have a bit of negativity, it goes there, but you can also manage that. But that's very difficult. It's a real, very difficult to contain. So a lot of the odd you need at first will be with regard to your own doubts about the practice. You need to just develop wisdom through contemplation. In time the samadhi that you, you thought would never arise does arise. And it will arise more and more every day in different situations. In every posture you'll just experience this firmness in mind, the mind will be peaceful. And just keep coming back to it again and again, develop it more and more in different postures. Ended the last section by talking about samadhi, uh, samadhi arising, meditation, and then coming into a daily life in various postures. So this samadhi in, in our life will just increase step by step, and as it does so, then doubts about the practice will decrease bit by bit, and the less doubts and nirvana hindrances we have, then the more survive at ease, relaxed, we feel. So all of this comes from practice. And in cultivating practice, what are we developing? We're developing sila, developing samadhi, banya, walking the path. Nivarana hindrances reduce. Samadhi increases. The mind becomes stronger. Things that we never thought we'd be capable of, or never thought would arise in our mind, do arise in any posture. And mindfulness becomes more and more continuous without this need to, to force it or to make great effort to cultivate it. This sati, mindfulness, based on virya, which means effort and energy and enthusiasm, is what allows us to, to struggle and overcome our nivaranas, our hindrances. In time we'll just be able to walk and sit very naturally without the sense of needing to force it. And in time, what we'll come to see is the conventional nature of our experience, just how much what we're seeing and what we experience is, is convention which we create. And when we see that it's really our minds creating the various realities and thoughts and perceptions that we experience, we get then an insight into the ultimate nature of things that we're looking at, that which liberates the mind. If you see that we create things, then intrinsically then things are empty. So see the conventional nature of conventional truth, we'll see the ultimate nature of ultimate truth. This is the insight that goes beyond the worldly level. It's called Lokuttara or Supra Mundane. And it's the insight which leads to the slow and gradual abandoning of the creation. So when you see the, the ultimate nature of all uh, phenomena that are being empty, the empty, intrinsically empty nature of the whole material world, everything comes together as a, as a process, it's intrinsically empty. If you separate any object out into its constituent parts, there's no essence to be found. You just see that everything is just parts and pieces. All anicca, impermanent, dukkha, stressful, suffering, unsatisfactory, and ultimately 
are not bound up with any self, no essence, when you see this, then your mind naturally inclines towards the, the search, the quest for Dhamma. You won't be interested in any kind of external or material quest. So keep coming back and contemplating this, this mass of our body here. The intrinsic nature is presenting us and understand this more and more. As you do so, you approach the Buddha, your mind approaches awakening. You're coming close to a direct experience of what it means to be Sangha. Dukkha decreases. This is the, the arising of the empty mind. Talking about emptiness, which leads to the fly one, the letting go. From the state of being a, what we call a kutuchon in Thai, kutujana, an unenlightened worldling, we have faith, we keep the precepts, we cultivate practice, we become a kalyana choy. This, this could be translated as a beautiful person or a noble person in a, in a sort of small end, an uplifted, lifting person. From that, based on our practice, we cultivate that sense of being true Sangha, a truly noble one in our own heart. So the starting point is this path, this faith, this faith, this conviction, belief in the principles of the practice. But as we practice, our need to depend on faith reduces as our direct experience of samadhi arises. You see, this that you can't separate out the mind from mental states. The body, however, and the mind you will see as different aspects of this empty process. And this is the approach to the Lokutara, the super mundane Dhamma. Seeing clearly as things really are, as things have come to be, in their state of arising based on causes and conditions. And when you experience this, there's an incredible lightness. That which was heavy is now light. You'll see just how in the past you were so weighed down by the constant pulls of delight and aversion. So for all of this, the first initial stages of our Dhamma practice, we need Otkon, patient endurance, and the ability to train ourselves in body, speech, and mind, and cultivate and develop our sila. And these are the basic fundamental steps for any of us practicing Dhamma to begin with. The patient endurance at first, which then leads to the very determined effort. Your mind won't won't be with that 100%. There's always this 
division. You'll be, you'll be able to hear a little bit and the beat, feel with your breath to be like an anchor. So, if you just, if you just listen and you just have, don't have any other objects of mindfulness, then you might be mindful of what you're hearing, aware of what you're hearing 100%, but there won't be any uh, spirit of practice in that. So begin by actually cultivating breathing while you listen to something. Then it's your turn to speak. You'll have that mindfulness with you and that will come into your speech. It may well be that you're speaking in a, in a, in a responsive way or there's something wrong. In which case, a good thing to do is to slow it down. Another thing is to be is to be restrained with the speech, simply to limit the amount you say and the type of things you speak about. Just reduce it a bit. If you have mindfulness, then very often your speech will slow down anyway. Sometimes you you have a kind of you have a wrong. You're speaking with some kind of powerful emotion like anger or negativity. And in those situations, it's often a very good thing just to slow down your response. Concentrate on. 
at that point just contemplate that all phenomena are impermanent, there's no self in this process, and let that need to have a clear object of meditation fall away, and then you return to that peaceful state again. Otherwise your mind will always be creating confusion for itself when it's not necessary. So if your mind if you're able to be aware with mindfulness of that process as it's happening, and there's no need to find some special objective meditation or get concentrated on something. was that uh, kind of when I when I practice anapanasati, I just find it very, very um, you frequently tend to try and control and somehow manipulate the breathing. It's just difficult to just let it go and it's very natural. But Tanajan, so when you're practicing anapana, it is important not to try and control or force the breath to be in any particular way. So the way to um, avoid this tendency and to undermine that tendency is to begin your meditation before you even turn your attention to the breath itself. Simply experience the body in a very natural way, breathing in deep, and just see that the breath is, is just coming in and out of the body and just try and allow it, experience it in a very natural way. Sweep your mind through the body, see that this whole process is an Ishtanga and just arising based on uh, causes and conditions. That in itself will lead the mind to be peaceful and happy, and at that point you can turn your attention to the breath in a more natural way. Practice 
Bhavana develops in a way that you see and cultivate your mind. Oh, I got a